Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Kane, too, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, John Ryan Cantu, and today in the studio, I have with me um, a member of our own church, Michael Tucker. Um, he's actually part of our media team. He does our, he's our kind of our camera, our camera guy uh, for our Facebook Live on Sunday mornings, and recently he uh, took over the unpaid position of <laughs> of high school leader along with his wife Jackie. Jackie's been coming to our church ever since she was a baby, I think. Um good good friendship there. I'm 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 friends with her brother. She uh Santos is is my business partner. So a lot of good friendship there and so we welcomed Michael into um our our lives a couple years ago when he got married. And uh, they moved. Where are you from? I don't even know where you're I'm from. I'm from a little town called Weatherford, Texas. Weatherford. Okay. How, how far is that from, from that, here? That is about five hours from here. It's about 20 miles west of Fort Worth. Oh, okay. So west okay. side of Fort Worth. Okay. Yeah. And so you guys went to, you, y'all went to Sagu, you know, Southwestern, which is where I graduated from. So fellow Sagu-er. And then you guys moved to Houston. Right. Was that a big big like deal for you was there yeah. ever like a conversation like what are we gonna do once we get married yeah oh yeah for sure so i guess to to because that's kind of a cool story um we right before uh or i guess right after we got engaged uh we were i was working at a uh, marketing company well about may which we were scheduled to get married in june in may i got laid off from my marketing job oh man and wow right, so, before, you right before the wedding so i'm freaking out of course um not really sure so i just start applying literally everywhere mm-hmm. um i applied at places up in the fort worth area places down here just anywhere that would call me back kind of thing and, yeah um eventually uh did get a job um uh, at a retail store um at the mall and uh so i actually made trips down to interview at the mall oh. <laughs> and then would drive back because uh, I was still technically youth pastoring up at that church up in Weatherford. So I would literally drive down for an interview, drive back up. Then they're like, oh, hey, we want you to come for a second interview. I would come <laughs> oh, back down uh, and do that interview. And then the week of the wedding uh, got hired. Um, and then... I guess a week before I moved down, moved in with Santos uh, okay. for like the week before the wedding. So within basically a weekend, I had a new job, living in a new city with, <laughs> new with my new wife, <laughs> <laughs> all at the same time. So kind of, it was a cool kind of testimonial kind of thing of like God's timing. Sometimes very cuts it very close, but yeah. uh, was able to take care of us and yeah. um, and all of that. So really crazy but kind of a cool yeah way it all worked out and so how, how have you adjusted being here in, in in houston i mean i imagine you have all all your family all your i guess friends that you grew up with mm-hmm. probably back home right um so you kind of came in kind of a little bit in the dark i guess just kind of a little bit Jack, yeah jackie and, yeah she was my point of reference for everything so it was yeah. good that it, like it, we both weren't moving to like a new city that neither of us were used to it helped that she's from here and uh-huh. kind of knows the lay of the land a little bit 
uh, but still really crazy because I went Weatherford's a town of probably like just a few thousand people. Okay. And I moved from that to four million, uh, yeah, yeah. something like that. And so just like I'm still getting used to like the amount of people just right. when yeah. you're driving or when you're at like out somewhere or you go to like an event or something. Traffic. There's so many people. Yeah. Traffic <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got. I think I love it here, so I'm. I think I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah. But it is just. I think the only thing that I'm still like baffled by is just how many people there are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coming from a small town, that's it. Just feels really weird. Well, well don't. I mean, my, my first thought, just to kind of respond to that, is never go to India because <laughs> <laughs> I remember a few years ago we went and it was crazy. I mean, just packed with people. Crazy, like you're just sardines everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, but cool. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really. I don't know if I knew that. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I knew that you had lost your job and all of that. Yeah, but. it was kind of crazy, like leading up to it. Like, um, yeah, lost the job and then, luckily, uh, was able to get a job down here, and so and it all worked out. And like now, looking back at it, I'm like, why was I even worried? Like yeah. kind of thing. Right. But in that moment, it was very very scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It usually happens when you're in the moment when you can't see ahead of uh, right. of you, and then yeah, it, it's everyone kind of freaks out no one likes uncertainty but right then you look back and you're like man god well, why why did i why did i even why did i freak yeah. out you yeah. know yeah exactly uh well cool man um i want us to kind of get into a little bit of maybe some background i know that you grow up a pastor's kid like myself so we probably have some some uh, things in common there um and so just kind of give us a little bit of background as to who you are you know maybe what you're what you're currently doing maybe anything else that would uh maybe set up the the rest of the conversation for sure um so I guess, uh, like brief rundown of my life as a kid slash teenager, uh, was born in Irving, Texas, which okay. is right out like mm-hmm. suburb of Dallas. Yeah. Uh, was born there, but then with like not even a year after I was born, my dad got his first senior pastor position before that he was a youth pastor, got his first senior pastoring position in a little town called Clovis, New Mexico. We lived there for about six years. So the first six years of my life, I lived in New Mexico. Um, And then we moved to Weatherford. Um, He got a a new pastoring job there. And then he was the senior pastor at the church there um, up until like last year. So like 17 years was in, was the senior pastor in in Weatherford. Um, And so that was my like childhood kind of. And then after that, I went to Southwestern. Yeah. got my degree and everything and then ended up here um while i was at sagu i also became the youth pastor at my church in weatherford so i was driving it was about an hour drive uh, like every wednesday i was driving about an hour um and we'll probably get into all that and like the the struggles with that but um then uh after sagu moved down here uh this is jackie's church so Mm -hmm. we just naturally came here (laughs) Um, but I've always been really into like media, video, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I think, I think you approached me about taking over the live stream or helping out in that capacity. And so, uh, now that's what I do is on Sunday mornings do the run the live stream with the cameras and all that kind of stuff so that we can stream it to Facebook. And then, um, then just recently, the most recent thing is that we'll be taking over the high schoolers uh, here. And so... Um, just kind of, I guess, brief rundown of yeah, my, kind of your life. my whole life, yeah. <laughs> uh, ministry wise. Right, so. right. And so, as a pastor's kid, um, how was that? I, I, I like asking other PKs because I feel like everyone has a different 
different story. Uh, for some people, it, it was like you hear like nightmare, like horror stories <laughs> for, from PKs. Like, I hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people hate it so much that it drives them away from the faith altogether. Right. Um, others, like, like like myself, I, I never really had, I mean, I had experiences um, that maybe were un- unfavorable, but I, I didn't have a, it wasn't like a rough upbringing as a, as a pastor's kid. How, how was it for you? Right. I, w- I would say I'm probably about to say, like, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't always the best, but it also wasn't always the worst. Like, it wasn't the nightmares that I've, I've heard mm-hmm. as well. Like, it wasn't just the worst thing ever. Um, but it also wasn't always easy. Um, there were definitely, like, hardships that come with that territory. So, yeah. I think it was, um, it was just... There were times that were hard, and there were times that were really, really good. And mm-hmm. so, kind of, I the the word that comes to mind is like bittersweet, but it's not like maybe more extreme than bittersweet. Like yeah. it's, um, you know, there's there's times where, um, it was really hard on us at times, especially with like certain aspects of the church. And then there were uh, times where it was really good, like things were going really well. Mm-hmm. So I think it just like life, there were ups and downs throughout. Mm. And, uh, um, do you have any uh, siblings? I do. I have two older siblings. I have okay. two older sisters. Okay. Um, I am the baby by a long shot because my right. next oldest sibling is eight years older than me. All right. So, okay. so growing like whenever we moved to Weatherford, my oldest sister was like going to college. Like she really, that she was never really part of that church. Like, mm. okay. um, she went to, um, a school in New Mexico because that's where she went to high school was while we were still yeah. in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and then my next oldest, or my, I guess the one closest to me in age, uh, Holly, she uh, was in, when we moved to Weatherford, she was in middle school. So she, but now uh, she went to Southwestern as well and now she's a missionary in, in okay. Spain. So, okay, cool. um, yeah, but I'm the baby by a long shot. So I'm the only one that really like spent like my whole childhood. Yeah. Uh, in, especially uh, with my dad as a senior pastor, right. um, cause they, they know, knew his, like his ministry when he was a youth pastor, okay. but I don't remember any of that. Yeah. yeah. It was you. before my time, but, um, so that created kind of an interesting dynamic uh-huh. as well. Yeah. Um, so you, you say that there was some, you, there was some good times and there was some bad times. I'm, I'm curious to know the about the bad times. and the worst of times. <laughs> right. The <laughs> best times and the worst times. Um, I want to know about the worst of times. The worst of times. Oh man. I, I, this kind of goes into... Um, like, I guess like church being behind the scenes of church, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you're, you're in it, the thick of it and you see everything that most everybody else doesn't see and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. so I remember times where, you know, um, people would say things and, um, you know, within earshot of me, mm-hmm. like would say things bad about my dad or, right. Um, about the way the church is being run yes. and things like that. Um, and that always hurt, like, on a like a personal level. It always, you know, because mm. that's your dad. Like, that's, yeah. like, flesh and blood kind of thing. And um, But it was also interesting. I think it taught me a lot about the nature of people and how people can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of, like, examples. Um, the example that comes to mind is when we first got to Weatherford, it was the church was called Calvary Assembly of God, and it was very much an older traditional crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, like, didn't have a children's church, didn't mm-hmm. have a youth ministry, uh, 
there was, you know, piano, pipe organ, like not pipe organ, but a big organ on the stage and all that kind of stuff. And so my dad gets into the position and uh, um, he, of course, sees all this and he's like, well, this isn't going to work. Like, uh, it's just a bunch of old people. <laughs> and uh, my dad's always been very big on reaching the younger crowd and stuff like that. And so, of course, he starts trying to implement all these changes and things like that. And uh, I guess the final straw for a lot of people was he said, we're going to get rid of the organ mm. that just sits up there on stage and nobody ever uses. Yeah. And uh, that was just the worst thing that could have that ever was... happened. Um, and <laughs> he had somebody tell this is something I, I wasn't there for it, but I, a lot of things that I've learned about church and stuff have been through stories that mm. I was told later on. Um, but somebody came up to him after service, an older lady and said, Basically, like, all these changes you're making, all of us old people are going to leave. And when we leave, there won't be any money to support this church. Mm. And, like, I was like, man, that's it's harsh. Harsh. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you just say, like, to just blatantly say it to, like, the pastor's face kind yeah. of thing. Um, it's just, it. on the one hand, like, yeah, it's just a mean thing to say. But on the other, it's like, you're just completely against the vision. Like, mm. completely against what what god is wanting for the church like mm -hmm. that kind of thing and just because of an organ like a, oh we had like similar, an instrument we, we, yeah we had similar thing we had a grand piano that that my grandmother used to play um and then she she stopped playing it you know we we kind of we started progressing as a, as a worship team and and um she, she was no longer playing it and it kind of just it's the same thing it kind of just sat up there it was it was nice it mm -hmm. was it was a you know it was a beautiful grand piano but it was just taking up a lot of space yeah. that we could use and and so there, there was that always that kind of back and forth hey let's let's get rid of it yeah. oh no it's this is a this is like a it's like a, an icon of the church you know how, how are we going to do that and and uh, yeah people don't like change a, yeah. a lot of times yeah Very and it, it's hard when you are a pastor's kid and um you know, your, your dad is the one that's implementing these changes. And now I can speak as a pastor myself, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of hurts more. Yeah. Uh, it hurts more when it's your dad that people are talking about. Like, you know, if someone talks about me, um, yeah, it sucks. It's not great, but right. you know, I, I kind of take it more personal when it's, when it's, it's like a family know, member. Yeah. 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 Um, like so and, yeah. I can, and it like, the other things were just like there would be as a pastor's kid like you're very invested in the people mm -hmm. and you know there would be people that just you looked up to idolized almost yeah. like and and then they would just do something mm -hmm. that was just that would just break your heart kind yes, of thing yeah, and, been there. um you know and leave and those kind of things and not really anything that you could really control um and so I think a lot of times, especially for like the first family of the church, like mm -hmm. the, the, the wife and like, and the kids and, um, all that, it's especially hard on them because they're so invested in the church and stuff, but they're, they don't really have the power like the pastor does. So like, they're kind of just going with these changes and going with the flow yeah, of it. Kind of just being and I think a lot of pastor or people that aspire to be pastors and stuff don't think about, I'm bringing whenever I become a pastor, it's not just me. Like I bring my whole mm -hmm. family into it too. And it's just something to be very conscious of, yeah. especially if you're out there wanting to be a, a pastor. Yeah. I mean, um, it's any leader, any, right. any leader. I mean, as politicians go yeah. through this, yeah, I mean, exactly. So I, I, I always feel for the, for the family members because right. a lot of times they, most of the times they didn't sign up for it. It's, right. It's, they're just kind of, they're in yeah, it. I was born into it. You were so born like, into it. And like, uh, um, yeah, those are, those are rough. Yeah, and those so are rough. it just, the, and the, 
and like I said, with like the people, like you know, you would just think, oh, there's no way this person could ever screw up and mm-hmm. and all that, and and then they do and they leave or something, and it's like losing a friend, like yeah. you're yeah, and uh, that's always just tough. Um, so I think things like that, those dynamics of things that are kind of out of your control, but mm-hmm. you're in it, so you yeah. have to. Well, I mean, in like, many ways, you're, you're as invested as as the pastor is, right? You know, as a pastor's kid, yeah. So you get a lot of. You'll get a lot of the hurt. You'll have a lot of the. You'll rejoice, you know, with with yeah. the pastor, but you you also kind of suffer in and, the, in the defeats as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it it's rough. It's rough, and it, you know, anyone listening to this, um, you know, we this podcast is for leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always like to, you know, tell people to hey, you know, think about think about your your family, right? You know, or really re- prioritize them. They're, they they should always be first, and kind of just think about what what your position or even your calling, what you're calling it means mm-hmm. for them. And uh, just kind of a, a lot of times I think like a lot of times it's like, well, I'm, you know, God called me to this. So I don't know what you want me to do. You know, right. <laughs> you're talking to your wife, you're talking to your kids. Like, I don't know what you want. You, I don't know what you want me to do. Stop complaining. Like this, this is God's will. Right. Um, I, I feel like we should probably be a little bit more sensitive um, to that. Right. So that we don't push them away so that we don't make them resent. Right. And I think that's like, I know a lot of pastors, like you always, there's like that stereotype of the pastor's kid. That's the rebellious, like, <laughs> I, yeah. like, and I think sometimes it does be, come from that kind of, um, mentality of like this perfect order kind of thing. Like the pastor feels so much pressure that they put it on their families mm. too. Like they kind of share the burden, I guess. Yeah. And like for kids, especially kids, like I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Like this is, this is not what I wanted. Right, like, right. and they feel kind of forced into it. And I think that can sometimes breed that rebellious, like nature. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. if, especially if the pastor's not real cognizant of it. Yeah, um, for sure. Did you, were you ever, did you ever feel like the pressure to be a pastor? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, to be a pastor. Yes. And no, not really from my parents. Okay. My parents were pretty good about that. Cause my dad yeah. is also a pastor's kid and okay. his dad was very much, ministry first family on the back burner kind of mentality and so uh so my pastor or my 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 pastor my dad uh uh i think felt pressured a lot of the time to go into ministry and that kind of thing and and uh as a teenager and stuff he was like i'm never gonna be a pastor like this is never gonna be what i do um but i think his heart changed but he also took what he had learned with him and said uh you know, if I become a pastor, I'm going to make sure that I don't make the same mistakes that were made by mm-hmm. my father. Um, and so he, I think growing up, there was never, they never really put any pressure on me becoming a pastor or anything like that. It was always like, hey, whatever God calls you to do, that's, I would just want you to do that to the best of your ability. Um, and they were, but they were really big on like, you're always going to serve in church. Like there's always, like, even if you're not the pastor, even if you're not in leadership, mm-hmm. you're you're going to help out. And I think, uh, he instilled that in all of us, like me and my sisters. Um, and so like my oldest sister, she lives in Virginia, but every, her husband works for the government. So they move mm-hmm. or for a while. They've been moving every two years. Um, and so they've been at a lot of different churches and a lot of different stuff. And it's crazy to see how at every church that they went to, they were always involved in some way. Like yeah. they would help in the children's ministry or the, the worship team or yeah. something like that. Um, and so I think my parents did instill in us that, Hey, like no matter what you do in life, like connect with a church and, and serve in that church. Yeah. And well, and that's um, our job, you know, right. as, as the church, we are, we are the church, we serve different, right. different functions. Um, 
uh, even if it's not the head, right. we're always serving somewhere. But I did feel the pressure from like people within the church. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you're going to be a pastor. Oh, like, I don't know. And my favorite, my favorite was always when like altar call or something like that. And some old lady comes up and she's like, I'm going to prophesy over Prophe you. Lie. Yeah. That, uh, you're going to be a, <laughs> you're going to be a pastor. And as a kid, I'm like, I am not, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. going to be a pastor. <laughs> what are you talking about lady? And that kind of stuff. And so like, I did feel the pressure in, in that sense. Um, uh, and, that. Yeah, that's, that, that's, conf- that can be really confusing to kids too, because right. uh, they receive uh, I'm doing air quotes here, a, a word from the Lord that wasn't really from the Lord um, <laughs> right. calling them to be a pastor and they want to do the will of God. So they go into something that nev- God never intended for them to go yeah. into. And, that, and that's, I, I think uh, like if I can like give some commentary on church culture, I guess yeah. today, like I think that's something that we do a lot with, especially with like our younger generations, like yeah. with our youth kids or our children's church kids, like we like if if one of them shows like a leadership ability like we're like oh we like hone in on that we're like you're gonna be a pastor like you're gonna be (laughs) like a leader within the church kind of thing and god may not be calling them to that like we need we need good christian leaders outside of the church too and i think sometimes we try to you know fit a a, a square peg through a round hole in Mm -hmm, a way mm -hmm. and then it just confuses the kid because they're like oh i'm supposed to be a pastor now i guess like um that kind of thing. And, and in reality, maybe they're going to be like a great Christian leader in like the business world or yeah. um, entertainment world or something like that. And we're robbing them of that calling in a way. Yeah. And, and um, kids, kids aren't, I don't think they're, they're mature. Maybe they're not mature enough in their faith to really know how to discern the spirits, really, right. really know what is from God and what, what isn't. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, we could, we can easily, good intentions could lead someone uh, astray. You know, it could lead yeah. someone to a different calling right. that wasn't really a, a genuine calling from God. Mm-hmm. So I think we really need to be careful about yeah, all of that. Yeah, like all that. And like, and that's what I loved about my parents is that they never really forced like a calling on us. They were like, God will tell you what your calling is. But yeah. like, as long as you are, you know, strong in your faith, those kind of things, like as long as you have this in order, like God can call you to do whatever you want to do right. and, um, or whatever he wants you to do. And like, we're not going to go against that. Yeah. Um, there was no like feeling of like there's a dynasty that must be yeah. <laughs> like carried on kind of thing yeah. it was always uh that but there were people within the church that were like oh you're gonna be a, you're gonna make a great pastor someday and i'm yeah. like eh, i don't think yeah. so but <laughs> but uh, that kind of thing so well yeah and, and, and that happened uh, to me a lot and it, it, as well i saw that i mean everyone would come come to me and say hey you're gonna be a pastor and i'd be like nope <laughs> you know what we're talking about um you know and i and i definitely came into it without really anything that they said to 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 regard to that i i just uh it was it was god it was all god and i kind of took that mentality like if if i am going to be a pastor it's going to be from god right and i know that i know that it is um because if ever if anybody ever speaks a a word or a prophecy over your life and god hasn't told you about it (laughs) yeah then take it with a grain of salt because like god will tell you like yeah yeah you have to and that that man that's tough and, and and prophecies uh, they can really, they can lead people astray if they don't, you if know, if they not. don't test the spirits. And that's what Paul tells us to do. Mm-hmm. Test the spirits, discern every right. spirit. Um, I mean, I, I got a bunch of words, man. But when I was a kid, I got a word that <laughs> I think every pastor's kid did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I got a word that, um, that I was going to marry someone outside of, yeah, it's just, a, just a bunch of different things. I won't go into details, but, um, and that, that kind of confused me. That confused me because I was, I was with my wife. I was with Melissa. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. She wasn't my wife then, but she was. She was. I think we were dating. We were actually thinking about being 
getting uh, getting engaged, and I, I got a word from someone <laughs> that I was gonna. It, it was very it was very random. Uh, it said that I was gonna marry a, a, a white girl, <laughs> <laughs> and and so I was like, I looked at my wife, and I'm like, well, she's not white, she's, <laughs> she's brown, <laughs> um, and. Uh, and that that kind of just it confused me a little bit, and I, right. I, I tried not to show it, and I, I didn't. I tried not to pay it any mind, but I remember going to God, like God, if this is like really you, I, I need to know. I need to know. Yeah. From, I need to hear it from you because this is a big deal here. Yeah. Um, and I've been with my my wife for a good <laughs> right. seven years, and uh, I, there's no regrets yeah. there. And God, yeah, God will tell you. Like if it's meant to be, God will tell you. Like because I always think of the story. We had a youth pastor when I was growing up that somebody came to him one time and said, Oh, God told me that you're going to marry me. And like, Ooh. he was like, Whoa, that's, 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 that's the greatest pickup line ever. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, well, you know what? God hasn't told me anything yet. Yeah. So like until he does, I don't think that's going to yeah. be a thing. Like just kind of crazy what people will. Oh yeah. That was one of my favorite things growing up as a pastor's kid was some of the inter- entertainment that you would get, like in terms mm-hmm. of like, you get some, some, I don't oh, want to say yeah. crazy, but some, uh, I guess crazy is the word. <laughs> crazy. There's some crazy word. people uh, from time to time that would provide a little bit of entertainment. My dad always loved the verse when, or the passage of scripture where David's pretending to be crazy. Mm-hmm. And the king goes, why'd you bring me this other crazy person? I already have plenty of crazy yeah, people yeah. kind of thing. And my dad was like, sometimes I feel like that as a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it, that's, it's, that's a tough one, man. I mean, yeah. especially especially when there are reputable like people with that gift of uh, right. prophecy because there, there, there are there are those people but sometimes i feel like uh, i don't know maybe they abuse it or maybe they think that everything that they're going to say is from the is from god i don't i don't know so th- that yeah. creates more confusion because you're like oh well this this person has a good reputation of kind of being spot on but i don't know something's a little off here yeah. you know and i think luckily god gave me like knew what I was going to grow up in and gave me that gift of discernment yeah, pretty early yeah. on. And like, so I feel when I, you know, I can walk into a, a church service and kind of feel like the energy of it and like, is this God or is it not? Yeah. And kind of get that vibe. But like for somebody that's, you know, real young in their faith or maybe doesn't have that gift, like I could see it being a very like, like, Oh, you're going to be a pastor one day. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I guess I am. <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> yes, uh, so, yes. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. So, man, that's 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 a that's a whole conversation. Yeah, on its that own. Could... <laughs> it really is. Um, okay, I, I guess we can kind of transition here. Um, just you, I, I know that in um, in our pre conversation, you kind of mentioned seeing how churches operate a little bit from yeah. the inside out. Um, this could be a podcast. In yeah, I know, too. I know, it, it really uh, could be. But what, what what do you uh, what did you learn from that? Like, what do you what do you mean from? It's like the uh, so. I think it's that behind the scenes kind of when you, um, oh, there's a great short story by Mark Twain that I, uh, it's about a riverboat or whatever. And like mm-hmm. that kind of the basis of the story is that, you know, there's this guy that really loves like, like as a kid, he was like, I want to be like on a riverboat and like all this kind of stuff. But then as he does the job, it becomes kind of this mundane, like, mm-hmm. Oh, like now that I, the magic's gone a little bit. Like yeah. I, like I've seen the behind of it all and I've, now it's not a it doesn't have that luster that it had mm-hmm. as a as a kid and like not that I feel that way about church at all um but I think growing up a pastor's kid that sometimes was the the feeling I would get like oh like it's church like yeah it's I would see kind of the business side of it like or the or the politics side of it mm-hmm. and um so like growing up and seeing the 
the good thing about that though is I learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work and you know what causes a church to decline and what causes a church to to grow and um, I know it's all very like anecdotal like because it's mm-hmm. I can only really go off of my experience with that yeah. um, or what I've heard from others but um, I think it did give me a lot of insight into um, just church and even on like a superficial level like it's kind of funny I'll go to like I'll visit a church mm-hmm. and and I'll look around and I'll be like oh like I wonder how they like oh that they did that really well or yeah. oh that's a little rough like yeah um, oh I don't know if I would do it that way or yeah. those kind of things like almost like judging a church mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing and um, but I think growing up and seeing the the inner workings of the church helped me to learn kind of the the things that work and the things that don't or like um, and, and learn a lot about people and how people work together and um, how personalities can clash and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, a lot of like leadership skills that I feel like I have today came from just observing as a mm-hmm. kid and yeah. seeing, you know, and my dad would come home frustrated because, you know, the board wouldn't approve something or like, <laughs> you know, things like that. Like the, the very like, uh, um, I guess, more mundane part yeah. of church. Um, but I'm also really fascinated with that kind of stuff. Like what causes a church to work and what causes it not to work and mm. um, those kind of things. And I think growing, being a pastor's kid, you see that you're on the inside track of, yeah, of all of that. And I don't know if like you're, you feel like growing up as a pastor's kid, like helped you as a pastor, like to oh, definitely. understand. Yeah, definitely. And it kind of gives you a heads up on like the struggles that you might face. <clears throat> yeah. At the very least it, it, it gives you a heads up. You know what to expect. Um, now, I mean, when it, when actually, when you're in it, it's, it's a little bit different. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I'm, I'm in this now. Um, <laughs> right. But, but you kind of, like, like you said, you kind of have that, that heads up like, and uh, it kind of prepares you, uh, you know, a little bit, um, for, for what's to come. How, how do you think for, for those that maybe don't know how the church works from the inside out, how, how do you think the, the, the general perception of just the church is like, what, what do you the the I think the the general perception, hmm. I think the like from like the outside of the church or like from yeah. like your normal congregation member. Well, may, or, maybe from you know maybe the normal congregation member, maybe someone who doesn't who's not uh, in the meetings, who's not in the board meetings, right? You know, I think I think they have a pretty good grasp on some things, but I think they don't. I think for a lot of them, it's just oh, I come on Sundays, like kind of like when you go to like a concert or something. You mm-hmm. don't think about, oh, how did that person set up those lights? How yeah. did, you know, how did, what, what's the sound look like? Like, what's the soundboard look like? Yeah. Like those kind of, you're just in it for like the, the experience a right. little bit. And I think uh, a lot of church goers are probably in that mindset of like, they just kind of show up and like, they'll notice if something's wrong. Like, like if you go to a concert and one of the speakers is out, you're going to notice it. Sure. But like, if you're, uh, so like in a church setting, like, oh, that was kind of a weird transition, but whatever yeah. or like stuff like yeah. that like but you don't really think about you know or like the pastor will come up and go hey we're gonna like we've uh, we've raised the money and we're gonna change out the carpet oh cool like that's awesome like yeah. you don't really think of like all of the steps that it took to yeah. get to that point of like we're gonna take out the carpet and put new carpet down or something like that like even the small that's something i learned is like even the smallest thing it's kind of crazy how much work there is in it. Um, and because of churches, like churches are kind of an anomaly because they're run almost like a business is run, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's no profit. Like there's no, um, your, your product is, is like Jesus basically. And, 
And so, but a lot of the operational type stuff is very much like a, like a business. Yeah. Um, and that's where the leadership actually takes, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's depth. Uh, yeah. That's where it's, that's where it's practiced yeah. in, in the behind the scenes. And, and um, yeah. if it's not, if what you present isn't, I guess, presentable, then people will say, well, that's right. And he's not a good, good leader. Right. And I think, uh, pre- you bringing up presentation, I think that's a big thing. Like, I think the general churchgoer is going to notice presentation more than anything else. Like how, you know, is, is there proper signs like directing you? Like if you're, my dad would always say like, anytime we would make a decision or anything like that, it was always, if somebody just walks in the door for the first time, are they going to know where to go? Are they going to know how everything works just off of like, you know, like user friendliness, like mm. that's kind of the the mindset that I have. Like, how user friendly is your church? Like, right. If the if just somebody off the street comes in, are they going to know what to do? Yeah. Or are they going to just kind of stand around and like, oh, what do I do? Kind yeah. of thing. And so those are kind of the things that I learned. Like, oh, like if we're trying to reach people, like we need even these small little details that you don't think would mean all that much. Like to a visitor, they mean a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And they, it's almost the revert, like. A visitor, the things a visitor thinks about are probably 100% different than the things that a, the normal churchgoer right. is going to think about. Um, and so when it comes to like the operation of the church, my dad would always use like brand new people, people that had just joined the church. And he would say, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about like, like get their feedback? Because he was like, they have fresh eyes. Like right. they're, they'll, they'll see the things that nobody else in the church sees. Yeah. Um, and so using your like brand new members as like a catalyst of change Mm -hmm. is, uh, has always helped. Um, let me, let me ask you this. This is a, I mean, I'm just getting this, picking this up from what you're laying down (laughs) here. Um, and I've kind of, I've struggled with this recently, had this little internal battle with myself. Do you, do you think that we've overcomplicated, overcomplicated church? Um, because, (laughs) and, and I, we recently read uh, the the letters to the church by Francis Chan, mm-hmm. and I, I see that as a pastor, his a lot of his struggles as a pastor were because I think he believed, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I mean this is kind of the the perception I get right. from just kind of reading it um, that that we've overcomplicated church um, from from you know having to pay attention to all the little details, and it's kind of one of those things like you kind of have to do it because that's that's right. who we're reaching. Um, but then you kind of get frustrated with like, I wish it wasn't this way. It, right. it is this way. So that's why churches have to pay attention to signage and, 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 and parking lots and right. all these little things. Um, but perhaps, I, you know, it would be easier if we didn't care about, about those things. Maybe we could right. get back to the actual root of, of what church right. was supposed to be. So like, I, yeah, I, yes, I agree. Uh, with that, like that we overcomplicate it, but I also think we also in some way, like, I think we overcomplicate, overcomplicate some of the wrong things. And then we don't think about some of the things yeah, that maybe we should true. think about. Yeah, that's true. Like, so because we're overcomplicating all these things over here, we're not thinking about the things over right. here that really do matter. Like, cause, um, I do think at least the way that we have church, church structured today. Um, I think those things like, visitors and things like that mm-hmm. you still need to be able to walk into a church and know like hey this is where i need to go right. like that kind of thing those kind of things but at the same time keep that as simple as possible mm-hmm. like don't 
over like if a, if a simple sign that says hey nursery's this way or something like that works then yeah. use that like i i do think we we think we have to go a hundred percent like oh i saw this thing at this other church i have to do it exactly like that like yeah. we but the better thing would be to take that and then using your own resources and what your church can do um creating creating that a similar thing yeah. that works yeah. um and and it has to work like i think we sometimes add fluff that we're like oh, oh all sure. these other churches are doing this thing but yeah maybe it works for that church but it may not work for this mm-hmm. one like mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work get rid of it like yeah. cut off the ex- excess um and i think in a way that's the overcomplicatedness right. like and i i think that's where like, that's where <clears throat> excuse me uh leaders pastors get frustrated with with all the details being over complicated right um because as a pastor yeah, my 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 job, or at least what what I would like to be my job, it would would be just to you know um, teach you know preach the word of God, um, manage you know the leadership. Um, but a lot of that comes with you know paying close attention to yeah. all of those little details and and having different uh, opinions uh, regarding those details, and that right. that can be. I guess frustrating when yeah when when we overcomplicate yeah. things um, and so I was that's I just wanted to ask you what yeah you and like I have kind of an example that I have is I recently went to a church where um, they gave out a bulletin and my goodness it was like a novel of okay. just every like everything like it was like a threefold brochure kind of thing and like just words after words and I was like look mm-hmm. at all this work for something I'm not gonna read <laughs> like I like it just. Like as a visitor to that church, I was yeah. like, "This is overwhelming. I'm not gonna sit there and read yeah. through all this." Like, yeah. um, like, and I can only imagine somebody that hasn't grown up in church just looking at that and like, "Whoa, yeah. I don't know what to do with this." Like, yeah. so I think in those like instances, like, yeah, trim down, like, trim the trim the fat. I guess is the kind yeah. of what I'm getting at. Like, you make sure it's clear, everything's clear, concise, um, but throw off all the things that are just fluff that, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, well, we've always made our bulletin like this. Like, well, right, that's great. Right. <laughs> but that's not what, like what we've always done doesn't work in the now, like yeah. kind of thing. And, uh, my dad would always say, I think it's a book, um, the seven words of the dying church that, uh, we've always done it like that before. Yeah. And I think it can, you know, be not a great mentality within the church, like to, right. to focus on the things that we've just always done for the yeah, sake of doing yeah. them. And uh, again, the only reason I really ask this question is because I feel like we add so many different layers um, outside of what the core of what the church should be. Um, And so we have to do that because we have to stay relevant. We have to reach we have to reach our community. We have to reach this generation. We have to to reach um, the next generation. That's that's what my heart has always been for, you know, for for the next generation. So we have to do things that are going to reach them. I just wish it didn't have to be that way, you know. Right. I yeah. wish it. I wish it could just be a little bit more simple, and and so that's why I bring up the whole question. Right. Yeah. And we we uh, we also have to be conscious that we're only adding, or the things that we're adding to that core serve a purpose, like that they everything's done for a reason. Um, right. That we're not just doing something for the sake of doing, doing like because we've just always done it. Um, because then you're you're just taking resources that could be used on something that is a, a need within the church, right. um, but you're wasting those resources and those people on a program or a, a thing that's just not relevant anymore. Right. Um, yeah. Those kind of things. And so, like for instance, uh, growing up, my 
my dad, uh, one of his big things was that he, <laughs> we, it caused a lot of strife for a little bit, but, okay. <laughs> uh, we got rid of VBS. Like we were like, oh, okay. oh we're done with VBS. Okay. Like, uh, because to my dad, like we would all sit down and say like, oh, the goal of VBS is an outreach. Like it's, we're going to reach people. But my dad realized year after year, the people that came to VBS hmm. were the church kids. Yeah. Like they were, they were the kids that we already had. Right. Like, so it wasn't serving its purpose. Yes. And so we had to cut it out. Um, and I think a lot of times we do things for like, and we, we put these super spiritual goals on them of like, oh, we're going to reach people with this and all of this. Right. And, but if at the end of the day, it doesn't meet that goal, then, then it's not working. Right. And you have to think, well, maybe we either get rid of this or we revamp it in a mm-hmm. way that allows it to meet the goal that we want for it. Cause right now it's not meeting that goal. Right. Um, and I think sometimes as a church, we don't, we don't, we set the goals, but we don't reevaluate after the, like mm-hmm. if we set up an event, we don't think afterwards, did the event meet the goals that we had set up beforehand? Right. And if it didn't, then something has to change. Yeah. Um, well, if it did, then, Hey, like, this is a great event and we can keep doing right. it. I mean, think of, think of like having an outreach event, right? Like your, 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 in, your intentions are that people would come from the community and then you can reach them and, right. and you can expose the church to them. Um, so you have this outreach event, and you have a great turnout, but it's just a bunch of people from your church. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so it might have been a great turnout. There might have been people there. Right. And, and the event's not wasted because they had, probably had a good time yeah, and all right, that kind right. of stuff. But um, it, it didn't meet the intended purpose. Right. So we, I think as a church, I mean, in any organization has to ask itself, is this going to meet its intended purpose? It's always going to serve a purpose. Right. Right. It's just what what purpose is that? Mm-hmm. Is that the purpose that you intended for it to serve, or is that something like kind of secondary right. to that? Um, and then kind of just evaluate if that secondary purpose that it served is worth it to do it again. And and if it does meet the goals, double down on it. Like like if you do like an outreach event, like and you're like, hey, if this works out, and it does what it's supposed to do, we'll do it again. That kind of thing. Like if it works, double down. Like, hey, oh, let's whatever resource, more resources we can mm-hmm. do to make it even better. Right. Let's do that. And so, like finding the things that work and meet the goals that they're intended yeah. for is super crucial yeah. to to the success of a church. Right. Sure. That's good, man. Uh, really good. Good insight there. And uh, now, I guess all of that we I didn't even have on our notes here, so we kind of <laughs> just winged all of that. Um, I want I want to ask you. A little bit about your position as a youth pastor, because you said you were a youth right. pastor, and and now you're going to be taken over um, as the uh, the high school uh, director here at our church. So we're trying to the reason that we're doing that is because we feel like middle schoolers and high schools uh, high school students they don't really want to, or at least the high school students really don't, don't want right. to be in the same scene uh, as the, the, right. the middle schoolers. We we found that out, um, and so now we we're kind of um, having two separate ministries there and, and yeah. you're going to be taking over the high school ministry. Um, what, what was your, uh, experience as, as a youth pastor? It was, it was a good experience cause I learned a lot from it. Uh, but the learning was not, <laughs> it was not from necessarily good experiences. It was, okay. uh, I was real young, real inexperienced. I wasn't the, I think the, one of the hardest parts was that I wasn't in, I wasn't really in the same community that the the kids were in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always hard because I was going to school in, in Waxahachie, which was like an hour from where the church was. So during the week, like I'm not really there. Like right. I'm there on Wednesdays. I'm there on Sundays. But between then, like 
they don't, the kids wouldn't really see me right. or be able to interact with me or anything. Um, and so that was hard in of itself, but also just being inexperienced on, on like I had leadership potential, I guess you could say, but it wasn't refined to the point where it was, I was able to make the hard leadership decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I would, uh, you know, I would get really frustrated when things weren't going right. I would see problems, but I wouldn't know, like I wouldn't have the, I guess the, either the know-how or the, um, I guess desire to really hit those problems head on. I would, how do you, how do you learn those things? How do you think? I mean, because sometimes people are just, they're, they're just thrown into the fire, right? But they don't learn any, they don't learn from that. So what do you think the best way to learn leadership is? I think, uh, I think you really have to either take a mentor of some sort that is in a leadership position, um, and like really stick close to them. Like not really like you meet every once in a while, like you're shadowing them, like Mm -hmm. you're following them, seeing the nitty gritty of everything. Um, which I did have with my dad, but I think. I don't think I was watching him with the intention of like of learning. learning those things. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was more, I just saw those things happening. Sure. And, and I think that's another thing. Like if you don't have a mentor, just like watch, like observe with the intent of learning, mm-hmm. like that's observe, good. observe those that are, are in leadership. See how, like when problems arise, see how they react to those problems and really internalize that and mm-hmm. think. And that's what I've really been doing is like, uh, is learning how, to do the things that I knew I didn't do well mm-hmm. um, and learning not even just from in, within the church, but even within where I work, things like that. Like how do the, how does the leadership everywhere I go right. uh, hit these problems head on? Like how, like when it comes to like giving somebody feedback or receiving feedback from somebody, how, what's the professional way of doing that or the, the way that is going to make sure that your, <laughs> your employees or your, your uh the people serving under you right. don't have a mutiny and sure. take over like <laughs> uh like uh, those kind of things and so just like learn observing leadership to in order to learn leadership yeah um and i think that's the best way to learn anything it's just mm-hmm. by watching and then doing um mm-hmm. i always like when it comes to like teaching somebody things i always like the approach of um you watch me do it um, then we do it together and then I watch you do it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so, um, taking that kind of approach of first, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to observe and just watch how the various leadership and you'll, you'll see when things work and mm-hmm. when they don't, Yeah, and you can take that and run with it right? and, and learn from people's mistakes as well. That was something I didn't really That's do good. a lot yeah. is when, you know, I didn't think about those times where like I saw somebody try something and it didn't work mm-hmm. and not and when I could have taken that and then used it and said, oh well, I'm not going to make that mistake. Right. Um, I think that's probably the best way to learn those leadership skills. A lot of people um, take uh, another approach and say, well, uh, that didn't work for him, but I'll make it work for myself. <laughs> you know, I'll do it right. More power to you. And, yeah. And, and yeah, that's kind <laughs> of a it's kind of an arrogant kind of approach yeah. that oftentimes leads to yeah. usually kind of failing. Yeah, you also have to have an ounce of humility in there to like say, you know what, it didn't work for him, and I don't think it would work for me (laughs) either. Like, (laughs) maybe we're—I think sometimes we overestimate our ability, right? And I think that might have been part of it. Whenever I joined that, is I was like, oh, I can do this. I go to Bible college. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I can, I can be a youth pastor. How hard could it be? Like, (laughs) kind of thing. And like, well, same, same thing with me because I was a youth pastor too when I was in when I was uh, fresh out of. 
uh, Sagu. And I had this, I guess, I mean, I guess you can call it arrogance. I don't know if I'd go that harsh, but I guess it, it kind of was. It was rooted right. in that because it was like, well, I, I have... Uh, I have this degree. I went to a Christian university. Um, I was exposed to a lot of um, different churches and different methods of doing church. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I'd be perfect for this. Um, and I came in with a lot of great ideas. But I think that's another thing that we need to, uh, a point we need to make that that leadership is different than policy setting. Right. right. Oh, yeah. Because you can come in have, having great ideas. And that's that's what a lot of people think. Like, um, I remember I remember my dad before he became uh, the pastor. Um, he, he would, he would kind of, you know, speak to, 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 uh, to my mom and I guess not realizing that, you know, kids listen on everything. Right. Um, but, but basically, you know, he, he had his ideas and, and, um, he, he was never arrogant about it, but you could kind of tell that in his mind, he was thinking I could, I could probably do this, um, a little bit better. And same thing with me. I, I, you know, before I before I took over as a pastor, I would say the same thing. Well, I'm going to do I'm going to do things a little bit different. I think this is going to work better. And I think that's every that's pretty much every leader that's about to take on a position. Well, this is what I'm going to do different. I mean, think about t- politicians. This is what I'm going to do th- different. This is my yep. policy and these and this is this is why it's going to work. You can have great ideas, but that's not going to make you a good leader. Right. And you can fail miserably as a leader um by just relying on your good ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what happened. Um, perhaps it happened to you. It, it definitely happened to me because I did not, I didn't lead well. I had good ideas as a youth pastor, mm-hmm. but um, I, I failed miserably right. as, as a leader. And if you can't get people behind you, it doesn't matter how good your ideas are. You know, you're not going to be able yeah. to. And I think them. the other thing to think about is like if all, of, if you have a group of like leaders under, like other, like servant leaders, like under you, like, and, but all of the ideas and everything for the church are coming just from you mm-hmm. then you're probably doing something <laughs> wrong. Like you have a whole team there of people that right. probably have great ideas. Like, and I think one of the worst things that we can do as leaders is rely completely on ourselves and say right. like, I'm the only one with any good ideas. <laughs> like, yeah. That yeah. Guy. and I know we like blatantly wouldn't say that, mm-hmm. but our mindset is kind of that yeah, way of, I have, you know, I have the ideas, like right. I'll come up with the ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a whole team of people that come from all different backgrounds and experiences and you know sometimes the best ideas can come from people that you would least expect because they're they think different Um, Mm -hmm. everybody around you thinks differently than you and so if all the ideas are coming from you you're going to get a very one note Mm -hmm. ministry right Um, that's good and i think you have to find the diversity in your group and that's something i didn't do and uh like that i would hope would i would do differently yeah uh, this this time around Yeah. yeah yeah Um, okay. So I guess the last thing that we can kind of go into here is, um, I want to talk a little bit about your time at Sagu because you kind of mentioned dealing with some internal challenges or you challenged yourself, um, in areas of your faith. Um, I, I I kind of want to pick a little bit of of (laughs) that apart for sure. So what it was is when I was in at, at Southwestern, there was a there was a course that everybody was required to take. It was called Authentic Christianity, and it's the, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, I I don't I can't tell you like the <laughs> curriculum that we learned. Like any like there's little nuggets here and there that I can re- remember, but I don't remember like the whole course. But the the bigger thing was that during that time, I found like I I really wanted to challenge my faith and like you know growing up a pastor's kid, I've never 
there was never a time where I wasn't in church. Like there were, mm-hmm. from the day I was born, like <laughs> I think like my mom came home from the hospital and then the next Sunday we were in church. <laughs> like, um, so I've been going to church my whole life. Um, and so a lot of my beliefs and a lot of my understanding about faith and all of that came from things that I was just told. Like right. it wasn't myself. I never had that opportunity to, to kind of start from scratch. Like it was, um, it was always, you know, when I was a teenager, it was like, oh, well, this is just what I've always been taught kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so even into college, there were things that I, <clears throat> that I believed that I just believed because I was told like, this is, this is how it is like kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so when I w- took that course, it, it kind of inspired me to think, well, what if I, what if I just started over? What if I just kind of, I cleared out my mind of everything that I had ever been told about Christianity, about my faith and anything like that. And I kind of, for lack of a better word, started over from scratch. And, uh, you know, I, it was, it was a challenge because I told myself, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything without knowing the why behind it of why, why we do that. So, you know, uh, when I prayed, like there were, you know, I didn't pray unless I knew exactly how, like how the Bible tells me to pray or mm-hmm. things like that. Cause you know, growing up, you were kind of taught inadvertently, like, this is how you pray. Like, and it's like a very like churchy way of doing yeah. it. Like, uh, big words. Like, uh, <laughs> you have to say God a thousand times in your prayer, <laughs> Father. that kind of thing. Father, Lord. Um, and like those kind of things. And so like every facet of my faith, I said, I'm starting over and like, if I can find a reason why, and it didn't even have to be like a biblical reason why, but just a, a reason why, like, and if it if it wasn't biblical, then for me it was kind of like oh well then it's a choice like I can I can do this if I want to, but if it's not biblical then I can also like if it maybe it's something that just the church has gr- turned into tradition. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so uh, you know prayer, worship, all the different facets of that. I started over and I would, you know, I would pray and I would say, you know, God, what, you know, what do you say about this? I would read, I would literally type into Google like verses about worship or verses about prayer, verses about, um, tithing versus Mm -hmm. like anything and everything. And I would, but it helped build my faith in a way that, oh, like the Bible is not super clear on that. Like I was always told that this is, uh, super clear, which is why I loved your podcast with Joel, where you talked Mm. about, yeah, yeah. The, the misconceptions of yeah. growing up in church and because that's when I was in college that's kind of when I found a lot of those of right. like oh Bible really doesn't say that mm-hmm. like it's yeah. kind of like it's up for interpretation I guess on that yeah. kind of thing and so it, it kind of changed the way I would do things like I wouldn't when one example is like when we would go to chapel services and stuff I would the first day of when I was trying this challenge I I didn't do anything. I like just kind of stood and watched the worship service mm-hmm. and I didn't raise my hands, didn't sing, didn't even sing along. I just started over and it allowed me to observe other people and see how, how they worship. And you know, oh, why, why does that person raise their hands? Like why, like kind of really getting the why behind everything mm-hmm. and getting a better understanding of why I believe what I believe. And if I didn't know, then I didn't know. Like there yeah. wasn't like a, an excuse that I would come up with of, you know, Oh, well, we do, you know, I always hated the growing up. Nobody ever really gave me a direct answer of why we raise our hands in church, mm-hmm. like in a, in a worship service. I always thought it was kind of weird <laughs> when I was growing up. 
because I was like, that's kind of like, what's the reason behind it? And, and none of the answers I ever got were really sufficient for me. Like there was, always, I always hated the one and I still hate it where it's like, oh, it's a, you know, like if somebody's aiming a gun at you, you raise your hands because yeah. it's an act of surrender. I'm like, well, it's God, God shooting us? Like what? <laughs> I'm confused. Like that, like that sounds like a scary situation, not a happy situation and stuff like that. And, or, or, you know, the, oh, we're trying to get closer to God. And then I was like, what? God's omnipresent. Like what? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> that doesn't, my, my scientific mind doesn't work with that. Like <laughs> kind yeah, of yeah. that mentality. And so eventually on that one, I ended up finding something outside of, necessarily like church and stuff of like why we raise our hands and Mm -hmm. i I came across this like article that was talking about um the fact that uh runners in like track and field or um just in general people when experiencing great victory or something like they've accomplished something even blind people will raise their hands Mm -hmm. in like an act of like victory kind of thing like uh, oh i just won something or i but, and I was like, that's interesting that even blind people will do it because yeah. it's, it's like a natural response. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And so that's kind of where I formulated, oh, maybe that's why we raise our hands in worship. Because I, and I looked at biblical examples too of, you know, David uh, raising his hands in victory. Right. There's the, the story where the, um, they're keeping the arms up during the battle so that Moses, uh, right. yeah, yeah, with Moses. And, and as long as his hands were in the air, they were winning and those kind of things. And I was like, oh, that's why we do it. Like that's like that gives me a basis to go off of, of and I, that's open to interpretation. Yeah. Some people are cool with like, oh, that's just something we do, like yeah. kind of thing. But for me, I had to have like a reason why, because if if there's not a reason why, then because what's the motive? What's the point? What's, yeah, what's like why motive? I do it? Like right. <laughs> if I don't need to be doing it, why do it? Yeah, kind of thing. Arms get tired, and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, so. I, I actually asked that, that that question before. I, I didn't I didn't know I didn't even know if it was biblical. Uh, right. So that, that that's that's the question that I had um, asked myself. Like, is is did people lift their hands in the Bible? Right. Um, like 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 we do in church. Right. Uh, and I found that uh, several scriptures said kind you know, of, yeah that, that, that we that they did. Um, so I kind of had that same that same uh, kind of train of thought that that yeah. you did. Um, yeah, and I mean, just kind of off topic. I mean, on topic, but off you know spiritual right. topic. <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered why people clap their hands like. I just think that's that's a weird gesture. Like, mm-hmm. if if like aliens were to come down to Earth and they just see a bunch of humans going like this, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I always just thought to myself, why do people clap their hands? It's, that's a weird gesture. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never looked into it. I, you know, it's just something yeah. we do. I, but yeah, <laughs> probably rhythmic something with our rhythm or something. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's like, the other thing is like I've always been a little bit of a skeptic like mm-hmm. uh, growing up and I've dealt with doubt and things like that and I'm same sure. way as you I'm very into apologetics those mm-hmm. kind of things and I always want to know the why behind something I like I love science I yeah. love like all that kind of stuff like why do things work the way they do because um, I feel like when we get that understanding especially in the world of science it gives me a better understanding of God and how God operates mm-hmm. like like he set up all these systems in place and everything. So the more I learn about how these systems work and everything, the more I learn about God right. and gives me kind of that motivation to learn more about the world. I'm not content with just, Oh, that's just how everything yeah. works kind yeah. of thing. I want to know the why behind everything. And so yeah. I felt like my faith should be the same way. Um, I want to know why I do the things I do. And so that's why I'm also very adverse to like, like very church, churchy things like Mm -hmm. very i guess you could say religious like tradition kind of things Mm -hmm. that don't really have like a biblical place or things like that or or even just churchy words and stuff kind of like i don't really 
like it because <laughs> uh, it's to me it just kind of hints back to this inauthentic in is that a word inauthenticity <laughs> uh, unauthentic <laughs> inauthentic um, kind of feeling of, of Jesus and so it was kind of fun to play the the baby Christian a little bit mm-hmm. and see like see my faith and what I've known my whole life through a new set of eyes. Yeah. And so I re- like, I think it's a challenge that if, if you're up for it, I think everybody can benefit from it in some way. Like really think about why am I doing that? Like when I pray, like, why do I say things the way I say them? Like yeah. really introspective. Um, even on the, the tiniest little things, like if you don't know what tithing is, don't tithe until you know what it is. Like, and I know that's scary to, <laughs> to say, <laughs> scary to, to, say to, to, to a congregations, but yeah, <laughs> like if you don't know, like I, I don't think anybody should do something just because everybody else is mm. doing it. Like do it because you know why. And because for one, then if somebody asks you, why do you do that? You have yeah. an answer right. <laughs> and, right. and a good answer, especially like a new Christian. Cause new Christians are going to want to know the why behind everything as well. Cause they're mm. new to this environment like it's it's like if you're learning a skill like like if you were teaching me guitar like and i asked like why do you like whenever you play that certain song why do you hold the guitar this way mm-hmm. like if you can't tell me why yeah. then i can't really trust you as a teacher right um so it's kind of um it's a cool challenge that i did for myself that really grew my faith and helped me understand why i believe what i believe yeah. and um and if you know and there's some things that are i don't knows like yeah, and be a lot and, of those, and and I don't, th- and I think in the church we kind of get this mentality of when some, especially like a new Christian is asking us something, we have to come up with an answer, like we have to come up with something, and I think sometimes it's okay, like I don't think people are going to tell us, <laughs> like get mad at us yeah. if we go, you know, I don't know, like yeah. I don't know really the reason why, but we can try to find out, like we can right. try to learn it, like and see what why I've never really thought about that like Mm -hmm. and I don't think anybody's gonna go oh you're just dumb then like (laughs) how dare you not know the answer (laughs) like it's a lot of stuff out there and Mm so I think sometimes we get this feeling though and then that's what the problem with that is then you create these things that aren't biblical you create these excuses for things or or not really excuses but explanations for things that maybe aren't biblical because you just felt like you had to come up with an answer in the moment and then, then they tell somebody, and they tell somebody, yeah, and, and then it's it becomes oral tradition. a thing. Yep. Yeah. And then you get these kind of things that where people are like, "Oh, well, why do we do? That? Oh, well, we've just always done that." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's not a good. It's kind of been the theme the whole time. Mm-hmm. Is that's not a good reason to do anything. Right. We're 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 more Catholic Church than we think, um, because the Catholic Church is is very. Um, they they make doctrine based off of of, you know, church mandated. Um, so what I'm looking for the the church has you know equal authority basically mm-hmm. to right. to to scripture or maybe not equal authority but they have they have they authority, have authority yeah. and um, so when we say things like that because we don't really know the why and it's not rooted in scripture so we just kind of make something up that kind of makes us you know mandate we're mandating doctrine yeah. that isn't we're putting even rooted. words in God's mouth yeah that's not even mm-hmm. rooted in, in in scripture um, and yet we say. Sola scriptura. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, and it's dangerous because we're, you know, and and it's, it is dangerous. I think especially with this, with the newer generation coming up, because they're not gonna, they're not gonna take the, oh, well, that's just how it is. Yeah, like they're not. My generation barely. <laughs> yeah, takes I mean, it. We, we've and, seen a major shift with millennials, yeah, yeah. and and then even the younger than that, like they're they're even more so. They want to know why behind mm-hmm. everything and they want to ask questions. And, and that's, 
I think one of the big things growing up, is, which luckily my parents were really good about kind of creating this environment of we can ask questions. Um, but I think a lot of churches are not. They're very much, oh, we tell you what it what it's like and how it is and and you go off that and mm-hmm. don't ask any further questions because because yeah. uh, we don't want to have to explain that to you like kind of thing and but that this next generation that's coming up isn't gonna they're, isn't gonna take that they're they're, they're gonna just leave yeah um, yeah and that's and, we need to prepare them yeah um there was this there was this i don't know if you follow the babylon b but <laughs> I do. man there was this uh, i'm gonna try to find it real quick real quick uh, where was it? Where was it? It was a while back. It said something along the lines. I don't want to give too much dead space here. Um, man, it was so funny. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it was so funny, but I, I, I thought it was, you know, LOL worthy. Um, <laughs> basically said something like church, uh, church members pray over children leaving off to college I'm butchering it. I'm so butchering <laughs> it, man. Where is it? Uh, I'm going to have to find it and just link it in the show notes or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. Man, I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Congregation praise graduating senior be uh, protected from basic secular arguments that they never bothered to prepare for. Them for. for. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, there it is. Yep. And, uh, and that's the thing. Like, we're, I think uh, we're in this transition like i uh i have a lot of theories about where the church will be in in the near future and things like that and like that's a whole other can of worms that we could open but um but one thing is i think we're in like a very very pivotal transition uh in the church we're we're at the end of a certain age and we're at the beginning of a new age Mm -hmm. um of how churches run and how like how the church will need to adapt in order to go forward. Um, and I think part of that is we have to make the church more open to questions and things. And because we've for a while, like in the last, you know, hundred years or so church has been about, you know, or even if you didn't, you know, you weren't a big Christian, like you kind of like that middle of the road Christian, like Mm -hmm. you still said, like, I'm a Christian, like, yeah like, and like that's just the way the world works kind of thing but nowadays it's the revert like you're your def the default answer isn't oh i'm a christian the default answer is i don't have a religious we're po- yeah we're post-christian yep we're, we're post-christian and so it's so it's much more crucial that the church has to adapt to that because now people aren't going to just go to church because that's the thing to do mm-hmm. like people aren't going to and people aren't going to believe in god just because that's the thing to do right like we have to be much more intentional about answering those questions because this next generation that's coming up they're going to be an unchurched generation they're going to be a, a generation that doesn't have a religious affiliation mm-hmm. um and even worse so not that they're blatantly against like having a religious affiliation they just don't care like yeah. and that's even harder i think to to challenge because Oh, I don't care if there's a God, like whatever, like the agnostic, I feel like it's much harder to challenge the agnostic than it is to challenge the atheist. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. the agnostic is like, oh, sure. Like right. you might be right. Like kind of thing. And like, how do you argue with <laughs> that? Like, oh, well, they just don't care. Like, kind of thing. Like, and so this next generation that comes up, if we don't answer the questions that they have, they're going to, they're not, there's going to be no incentive yeah. to, to come to a church and learn about God because well, they don't even answer my questions when I ask them mm-hmm. kind of thing. And yeah. So I think if we're going, if the church is going to continue with any sort of strength going forward, 
we have to be able to adapt to this new generation and, and answer questions and give the why behind mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, and be ready to answer questions. And if we don't know the answers, how are we going to answer the questions right. for them? Um, and so it's it's going to be a challenge for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely is. And we're seeing it. We're kind of seeing it already. Mm-hmm. Um, people are searching for meaning outside of God, you know. And, right. you know, humanism is, is kind of taken off. And um, they're trying to find, they're trying to sign meaning, you know, uh, in a world without, without God. Yeah. Um, and, and to the theist, you, you say, well, how, how, how can you do that? Um, but they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, come up with those answers. And if those answers are satisfactory to them, they're going to be yep. completely okay. Yep. And it's, it's going to be harder to um, evangelize to people because it's going to have to be done kind of on a, on a rational mm-hmm. basis, more, mm-hmm. more so than um, kind of appealing to emotions. That, that was a, a big, I think that is, or that has, that has been a, a big uh, method to, to evangelizing. A lot of people evangelize to hurt, you know, hurt people, like visibly right. hurt people, mm-hmm. people that are, they, they've been abandoned, they're orphaned, they're, they're widowed. And that's what, you know, scripture tells us to care for those people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we should always be doing as a church. But there's also people that they're, they're perfectly fine in their, their lives. They've right. got great paying jobs. They've got health benefits. Mm-hmm. They got, I mean, they've got a happy family. They got a golden retriever. I mean, everything's good in their life. Um, and, and they're, they're, they're not thinking emotionally because emotionally they're, they're good. They're stable. So how are we going to, how are we going to meet them on their level? Right. That's, that's you have to meet of, them on their turf. Like yeah. you have to. And so that's, that's kind of the, uh, the exhortation that I think, um, churches need to begin making to, mm-hmm. to, to Christians is, yeah. is getting to the, to, like you said, the why, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Good man, I, I love I love all these conversations. You know when we kind of talk about uh, talk about this, um, but we are kind of getting towards the end here of, of the of the show. I don't know if you want to leave anyone else with some final words of Michael Tucker wisdom. <laughs> um, man, I think it's, I guess kind of just going back over everything. Like if you're like I guess the the nuggets. Uh, if you're if your desire is to be a pastor, if you're, or any, like any form of pastor, whether it's the senior pastor or youth pastor, like whatever, um, just remember that if you have a family, you're taking them with you. Um, mm-hmm. and they're part of it. And the worst thing that you can do, um, just cause I've seen it firsthand is put your ministry above your family. Um, your, your family should come first. And then I think your ministry should be be right there. God should come first, obviously, yeah. then family, then your ministry. Because um, if you're not taking care of your family, it's going to hurt your ministry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and check in on them. Make sure that they're okay. Like make right. you know talk to your kids, talk to your wife. Like make sure, um, or talk to your husband, whichever. Um, like make sure that they're like okay and that they're um, that 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 you're not too invested in your ministry that you're losing your family on the right. side. Um, so that's one thing that we, that we touched on. Um, then like, uh, if you're going into leadership, observe, observe others, like observe other leaders so that you can learn from their mistakes and learn what works and what doesn't work, those kind of things. And right. then, um, if you're a member, like just a church member, like you just go to church, uh, uh, be nice to your pastor like show them <laughs> show them love Amen. like show because they don't get a lot of it <laughs> um yeah. 
And they will always take as never think that your pastor's over appreciated because they're not. <laughs> uh, you can always show them more appreciation. Yeah. Um, and it, and it makes them feel like it's worth it. Um, cause a lot of time it's just, it's being a leader. So it's, you know, problem after problem after problem and you're just solving it and, and it can be a lonely place. Yeah. Um, well, I, and, I heard this quote the other day. It said leaders, good leaders, um, take all the blame and give all the credit. Yep. And, uh, that, that's, that's true. Yep. You know, it, it, it really is. Yep. You have to, you have to be willing to, if, uh, if one aspect of the ministry fails, it's, it's on the leader. It's on you. Right. You have to take ownership of mm-hmm. it. And if if it's working, you, you have don't. to give credit to the person who you know is <laughs> yep. directly on top of it. So that's just the way that it is. So tell your tell your pastor that you appreciate them because it, it means a lot. Um, and then just like if you if you feel like you're kind of stagnant, if you feel like you're kind of stagnant in your faith, um, challenge yourself to reevaluate everything. Start fresh. Like throw off anything that you've been taught. Um, like just that you've just been regurgitated your whole life, mm-hmm. like, and really challenge it and say, you know, I think the Bible is full of people that tested, yeah, tested the things that God was telling them, like tested or tested the things that they were told, um, at the very least. And, and really it, it'll build your relationship with God because you're going to talk to him a whole lot more in those moments. And it's going to be a much more authentic conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if you can challenge yourself to just start over and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, just start over and, uh, and rebuild your faith from the ground up kind of thing. Um, and then take care of the next generation because when you're gone, they'll be the ones that are running the church. That's exactly (laughs) right. That's exactly right. Very true. um, But also trust them in their own ways because every generation is different from the generation yeah. that came before it and just Good because point. you don't understand like some of like and it's weird because i'm just now getting into that age where like whoa like this <laughs> new like this i'm not the youngest generation anymore yeah. uh there's a generation after me and i don't understand a lot of, yeah. of of what they the things that they like and the things that like their sense of humor I mean, yeah, and stuff yeah, and the, like, the current generation is always so critical of the of the, of the up and coming like yeah and and try not to be yeah because they they're gonna do things different for sure but that's not a bad thing yeah. in any way um and and it, if you can get in touch with their generation a little bit learn from their generation um it's gonna help you as a leader to then build a church that accommodates them right um and and because like i said they're gonna be the next ones so you're either gonna lose them or you're gonna keep them and and the only way to keep them is to to meet them where they're at yeah you can't turn them into your generation Mm -hmm. it's just not gonna happen yeah um so yeah i guess that's well that's good man thank you so much for for coming on today and uh, sharing your your wisdom it was good talking to you um, I learned a lot of things that I haven't, I hadn't <laughs> learned, I hadn't known about you in, in the couple of years that we've already known each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, thank you again. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, For sure. uh, we'll, we'll do it again. Sounds and, good. and, uh, I, I know we yeah, have definitely. a lot of different topics that kind of came up in this conversation that we can kind of go oh, yeah. bigger into. So <laughs> thanks again, man. For sure.